Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Kia ora and hello. I've been asked to tell you about No Labels, the radio show for, by, and about people living with disabilities. The show offers interviews and news about the disability sector in Aotearoa, New Zealand. On Wellington's Access Radio 106.1 FM. Find us on Facebook or go to www.accessradio.org.nz. No labels, our voice for you on Access Radio. And welcome to this edition of No Labels for the end of August. We have a guest with us today who hasn't been on the show before. Um, but has quite a high profile, one way or another, with um, out in the media, in our communities, and right up front in the area of disability and accessibility. And so, Minister Williams, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much for having me on today. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming in. And it's great to have someone in the studio and not over Zoom. It always makes a better quality recording. And um, we had a show a few weeks ago where we had three people, and plus myself, and we're all on Zoom, and one of them was in the car. So it <laughs> made interesting <laughs> listening. Yeah. But no, so great to have you here. Now, maybe you know we all see bits and pieces in the media with you in the house, but maybe if you could tell our listeners a little about you. So um, you know, where you grew up, I know you've got um, family in, in Auckland, Wellington, and... Um, the Cook Islands and Australia. Yes, right. Um, well, thank you very much for that. I mean, it's not often that you um, get the chance to talk a little bit about yourself. So my name, I tell a joke. Um, hope you don't mind um, you that, go Thomas. For it. I tell this joke that, and I shouldn't laugh about it, but my name is Monaco Porter Williams, and I tell people that it means the beautiful black pearl of the Pacific. And, and then everyone goes, ah, oh. but I, that's what I tell people. Actually, it doesn't. We haven't got a clue what it is. We have a small clue, but it's a very, very old, ancient name. Right. But um, names are very important in the Pacific community, and it kind of links you to family and um, uh, and it also you know, establishes connections to place. Hmm. So it's one of the things that I think is really important about who I am and who we are is how we identify and how we establish ourselves to family and place. And I think it's one of the um, things that I possibly bring to this role is if you understand who you are and what is important to you and you're able to articulate that, um, it means that uh, people will respect that hopefully and treat you in that vein. So when we're talking about other communities or other um, important things in people's lives, it might be um, how um, they identify themselves in terms of um, gender or sexuality or whatever. It's always really important to be respectful and it's one of the things my parents have taught me. So I was born here in Wellington. Great place to, to live and be born. <laughs> And my parents had um, the uh, well, the opportunity to um, move to Auckland, so I was here for a grand total of fourteen days <laughs> before we moved to Auckland, where I did my schooling and, right. and pretty much grew up there. Um, but moved to Christchurch at the end of twenty twelve, after the kind of biggest part of the earthquake um, sequence. Right. I went there to help out, really, the community organisations that were there on the ground doing it really, doing amazing work, mm-hmm. but in looking for a little bit of support. Um, so, and I've been there ever since and became a m- Member of Parliament uh, at the end of 2013. 
And so before going to Parliament, what were you doing? Um, I know you went to um, Manukau Tech. I did, yeah. yeah. So I did my, um, my MBA, my Masters of Business Administration through MIT, um, but it was actually a, a host campus for um, the University of the South Pacific, which is, um, sorry, the University of Southern Cross, apologies, um, which is uh, based in um, Australia, New South Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, they have campuses um, and uh, virtual campuses all over the, all over the world. Um, but I, uh, latterly, in the last kind of 15, 20 years or so of my working life, has largely been in the community sector. So health, um, dis- uh, in disability through uh, residential um, services, mm-hmm. um, uh, mental health, and uh, but a big uh, portion of my career has been in family and sexual mm-hmm. violence and running women's refuge um, and, the, and violence organisations and networks and the like. Right. You made a comment about identity, and, and you're so right that you know, anyone who's been to a marae will know very much so that, you know, it is about where you come from, who you are, who your ancestors are, what you relate to, whether it's you know your mountain, whatever. But it is about you know your place and and your history, and it's so important. And I think sometimes you know, and um, just in New Zealand as a culture, um, it doesn't always people don't always relate to that. They say, "Oh well, I was born in wherever, and that's mm. it." Mm. Um, but with the Pacific cultures, Māori, you know, it, and um, other cultures as well. It is very much about where I've come from. Yeah. Does, yeah. Don't you think that that also applies? It applies to everybody. And it's it given us the ability and the licence to say, this is who I am, mm-hmm. this is what I believe in, um, this is uh, how you can be respectful of me and the things that yeah. are important to me. And I think, you know, sometimes, like even in, like in the disability community, it may not be about where I'm from, it actually may be about my journey through disability. You know, um, mm. I may have gone to a, you know, a special school or I may have acquired a disability later in life. It's, you know, guess what people relate to in, in part of their journey. Absolutely. Yeah. So in Parliament, you've had a number of portfolios and you still have a number of portfolios. <laughs> I do, yes. Um, so I started, you know, as a, um, even when we came into um, a government, you know, as a backbench MP or as an electorate MP, um, there's lots of work that you do on the ground with your local communities, um, looking for housing, getting access to benefits, for example, or dealing with ACC, all really important stuff. Um, as a uh, when we came into government, I had a role as an assistant speaker, which I absolutely loved. I love process, um, and parliamentary process is pretty prescribed, um, and there are lots of very big personalities to manage in the parliamentary I setting. Can yeah, so that <laughs> you just teach- need to listen to the house sometimes. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that that was that's given me a, a, a kind of good grounding really in dealing with some big personalities in other areas. Mm. Um, When we were returned uh, to government um, in 2020, uh, the Prime Minister gave me the absolute honour of um, taking the police portfolio, the uh, building and construction portfolio, and a couple of associate roles. I had an associate role um, with uh, children, um, which you know has brought me in, it brought me into touch with um, some of the things that are happening uh, with the Royal Commission of Inquiry, 
um, for example, and a role um, as an associate for housing, which was directly looking at public housing. And I know that these are issues that are important to um, our communities and our disabled communities in particular. Very much so. Those those portfolios, fairly massive you know, portfolios, they're not sort of you know, police, housing, etc. That's you know, they're they're really meaty pieces of um, parts of government to be responsible for. They certainly are. They yeah. are big portfolios yeah. and important for um, people's everyday life. Yeah. But when the opportunity came to do this work um, and uh, also take the conservation portfolio. If you can imagine, people go through their parliamentary and ministerial careers never um, having the ability to launch a new ministry. And that's pretty significant and important. Um, it sure and, is. <laughs> and so for me, the, the chance to uh, to do that was one I couldn't pass up. So I was enormously grateful to be given the opportunity to launch Whaikaha. And now, really, um, now we're putting the pieces together about uh, what, the ministry will do going forward um, and I know there's a lot of interest in who will help in that role in terms of the chief executive and I know it's been tantalising to say that we're getting close but we are absolutely getting close to announcing who that will be um, and it will be a couple of days after the first of the next month so after the first right. of September we will be able to sign that out um, and, and make those announcements. Yeah, and I think the community, as you said, you know, have been dying to know who it is. So I think you know, that will be, you know, we'll all be tuned to radio, TV, um, stuff, whatever, to um, hear that early in September. So, Minister, the work you did in the community, Women's Refuge, etc., a lot of that would have been great sort of grounding in, in many respects to seeing... You know, firsthand some of the real issues that are out there in the community facing um, disadvantaged groups, mm. but also um, helping you, I, I guess, in your new role as minister. One of the things that I guess is a, a theme um, of uh, that is uh, many people talk to me about is when we have uh, the ability to have agency for ourselves. Um, when we don't have that agency for ourselves, how difficult um, it can be. Um, but at the extreme end of that, when uh, there is a, a, a real um, uh, difference in the power dynamic that exists in relationships. So in, in some of the roles that I've had, particularly in supporting service delivery for, uh, for people with health conditions and uh, disabled um, people, it's led me along a, a journey of understanding what you need to, to do to support people to have their own voice and have control of their own lives. Um, so it has been hugely important to be able to come into this role, having had that background, having um, seen um, and uh, talked to people who have experienced some difficult times so that we know we can do things to improve that and also we can make sure many of these things don't happen again. So, Minister, the new ministry, um, it's only been you know, a very short time that it's been up and running, operational, etc. Um, what are some of the things that you see that it's going to have to you know, deal with or address or try and find a way forward with um, in its sort of first um, year or so? Well, first, firstly, it was an absolute um, pleasure to, to have the role and then to launch uh, the new ministry. Uh, we've been operating since the 
1st of July, um, and uh, as everyone will be aware, we are in the phase really of developing the work plan going forward. What is really important is that um, the ministry delivers services in terms of the disability support service. Um, it has brought uh, under the um, umbrella of the ministry the Office of Disability Issues. So lots of the policy um, discussions continue as robustly as they have in the past. But I guess one of the most important pieces of work that we're working on right now and that will take us uh, through a, a period of time is the Enabling Good Lives rollout. Uh, for those who are um, part of Enabling Good Lives and enjoy the flexibility that it provides to them in terms of what um, you know, they can achieve for themselves and the control that they can have over their, uh, their lives and the support that they get, we know that for many it is a really good opportunity. But we have to um, do a couple of things first. The first thing we're doing is building some capacity and capability out in the community and, and talking to a whole lot of people about what is great about enabling good lives and engaging people in that kind of wider discussion. We want to make sure that when we're ready to roll it out that we do it in such a way that um, it is achievable and it hits the, the kinds of targets and, and measures that, that that needs to happen. So we're looking at, you know, first and foremost, some um, public awareness and, and building some capability, capacity in the community. And they're looking at how we might phase the rollout of enabling good lives around the country. And it might be that we look at... Um, uh, some, you know, doing it place-based, looking mm-hmm. at specific areas to start, to start, you know, rolling out from the three pilots that we we initially um, had in place. Mm-hmm. But we want to make sure we do it right. So there's a bit of foundational work that needs to happen, um, and then very soon after that, people will see there's a phased approach to ensuring we can we can do this across the country in a way that um, suits uh, disabled people, but the those people who, the organisations that will be providing the service and support as well. Right, yes, because we had over the last few years or so a few guests talking about enabling good lives and and I think from what the guests have said and from people accessing the pilot services, it's going to be a transformational way of receiving services where individuals will have the ability to... um, often choose where they haven't had in the past the opportunity to choose mm. who will be providing that level of support for them. And part of the um, budget uh, uh, that has transferred over and that we've been able successfully able to um, uh, take on board, you know, we the delivery of um, disability support services continues, but part of the budget will be looking at the opportunities um, that people have been talking about too, um, where family are able to, to provide that support, where it's important to um, our tangata kaha where that happens. Uh, we're looking at things like um, strengthening um, sign language and the use of sign language. We're looking at how we can make sure that the delivery of uh, disability support services is sufficient. So we've been able to secure some contingency funding for um, uh, increased, we know, increased levels of service that are required. So there are pieces of work that really support and strengthen the work that's already been happening, but also um, push that support into other areas as well. So while um, we are looking at the rollout of Enabling Good Lives, 
Um, we know that there are people who are being supported now who need to have that support continue, but also that there are opportunities for us to do more in that space. The ministry is also really um, important in driving ahead the whole idea of enabling accessible societies and access- accessibility in general. Um, and we want to start with ensuring that our government agencies are doing everything they can in that space and that they meet the targets that uh, that that is required of them, that any engagement a disabled person has with a government agency is as enabling as possible. So today I'm, I'm looking at signing out some letters to my fellow ministers to say what my expectations of their government ministries will be. And that's a big step, uh, but it is saying, you know, as a public service, as government agencies, uh, our tangata whaikaha um, engage with us every day, and those engagements need to be as enabling as, as possible, and as a minister and as a ministry, you need to do what is required to make sure that that's the case. Yeah, because we had on the show a while ago Anne Hawker from MSD talking to us about the Access Charter that um, they've rolled out, which obviously is making a huge difference from yep. you know, getting information, but obviously there's there's more to do than just information. So that sounds sounds like it will be a great initiative, and hopefully ministers will step up and um, you know, take take heed of your word, <laughs> <laughs> or else. <laughs> well, that I you know that is all part of of this. It's our job now to insist that government. Uh, agencies and ministers uh, take responsibility for um, what we all know mm-hmm. should be happening across our, our ministries. Okay. Now, in the House the other day, there was um, a bill introduced. Um, access? The access Accessibility. Yes, 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 that's right. So where does that sort of sit at the moment? So it's obviously the first reading in the House, and what happens next? So the accessibility legislation introduced um, just a few weeks ago is now uh, in select committee. Um, the important part of the select committee process, and I'm pleased to be talking about that because one of the things we um, asked the chair of the committee to do was to look at extending the report back time. Normal select committee processes are about six months. We've asked to add uh, another three months to that to give everybody an opportunity to submit. We've also asked the committee to ensure that the bill and uh, the hearings will be accessible to those who need to submit. Um, that the material is provided in uh, as many different formats as possible, um, and that the hearings are held around the country. So uh, we, you know, we wouldn't want people to have to have the, um, you know, the imposition of travel. Uh, we want the hearings to, you know, the submissions process to go to them. But it's important for people to make submissions. We want to know if the legislation is. Um, meeting the mark, we we think uh, there are that that it is, but you know we're open to hearing how we can make improvements to the bill, and this is where um, the community really needs to come on board. So have a look uh, uh, at um, through Parliament um, through the parliamentary website, you will have access to the material. Um, if it's not there in a format that suits you, I would encourage you to get hold of me in my office and we can ensure that that happens. But we want as many people to uh, make submissions as possible to this process. 
and I think it's a great opportunity for people to to have their say. Um, you know, we all have different views of whatever it might be, but I think you know we've waited so long for a new ministry and now um, legislation. Um, if we don't say anything and sit on our hands, then we don't really have the right to complain afterwards. But, but we do have to remember sometimes we don't provide this information or the opportunities in a way that people can engage. Exactly. So we're trying to do this as broadly as possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's what I usually say to people when they complain about you know, local body elections or mm. whatever it is, and I say, well, did you vote? Yeah. Oh, no, waste of time. Well, don't complain. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and you touched on earlier about... Um, the inquiry that's happening at yep. the moment and, and the sessions. And I know, um, you know a number of disabled people came forward um, to tell their stories, and we heard some of those in the media. And I must say, you know, quite horrific, to be quite honest. Um, so where, where does that go to now? So obviously, you know, people have, have told their stories, and I think we've started to hear back from government officials as to you know, yep. their feedback. Yes, and their acknowledgements, which I think are the important thing. For anybody who has had those experiences, um, the bravery at uh, coming forward and and um, and you know reliving them and and sharing those experiences, you know, I that that takes a lot of courage. It does. Um, and uh, we're all really grateful for um, people actually. Uh, talking about their experiences and sharing them in that way. What happens now is you're right, uh, government agencies are responding and they're making acknowledgements um, uh, of the um, the way that, you know, policies were set up and ways that people behaved uh, and really, it, you know, um, giving, I guess, the ability for people to have an acknowledgement that their experiences are really important to this process, that their experiences um, and talking about them are important, not just perhaps for themselves uh, to acknowledge the hurt in Mamai that has been caused, mm. but so that we ensure that it doesn't happen again. Um, and the, what happens, what will happen post um, the government uh, acknowledgements is that the Commission will then report back to um, government with a whole raft of recommendations. It is then up to government to uh, examine those uh, and then advise the communities and the very brave people who've um, told their stories about what will happen into the future to ensure that we don't allow this to happen again. Yeah, no, I must admit, though, very... I can't speak highly enough of people who, who put themselves forward to do that. Some of the stories were pretty horrific and so very brave of them. Um, and I'm sure that's probably just the, the tip of the iceberg in some respects for some people. Indeed. Yeah. Minister, so what, what's next up for you? Um, you know, are you have any plans for the future? Um, not heading off to, you know, mm. um, the UN yeah. or, any, or anything sort of, you know. Might, might be. Um, uh, <laughs> that you can share with yeah, us. Yeah, I, I, no, I can, actually. So we are off to the UN. Um, of course, the Convention um, on the Rights uh, for Disabled People is, is having ex examination, and we are one of the few countries to, to have uh, a second opportunity at this. Uh, the last time we were in front of the UN, 
uh, was in 2014. Um, and I can remember because I, I, I think I had the opposition role at the time, portfolio at the time. I can remember when the Honourable Nikki Wagner uh, went to the UN. Um, so it is our time to talk about uh, what we have done in that intervening time, how um, we have, uh, you know, we're working towards meeting those commitments. Um, I mentioned the fact that it's our second time, and that's fairly unique for a country. So there will be quite high expectations that uh, we are um, meeting those obligations in a much more fulsome way than we were a few years ago, and that we've put some other things in place. Of course, it will also give me the opportunity to meet um, Sir Robert Martin, who is part of, um, who has just recently uh, been re-elected, um, and. Uh, he won't be sitting on our uh, particular examination, but he is part of uh, the group that is looking at, um, you know, the various countries and how they meet their obligations under the convention. So we're taking a team of about nine. Um, the um, the independent monitoring um, mechanism, which is the DPO plus. Uh, the ombudsman, um, the Human Rights Commission, and one or two, and you know, a few others. Mm-hmm. Uh, presenting uh, as well so it will be you know people can be assured that this is not about us going and saying how wonderful we are this is a, a, a making um, uh, talking genuinely about the things that we have achieved but the the things that we have yet to achieve and the IMM are there to um, to talk about from their point of view how well we've done uh, but what else they see uh, as the opportunities to do better in this space we're looking at, um, be, it goes over several days and the examination itself are a couple of uh, three-hour sessions, so they're quite fulsome. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we're taking a team of senior officials, uh, including um, Brian Coffey, who, who was at, uh, and one or two others, I think Matt even. Um, Matt Frost. Yeah, I yeah. think was uh, potentially at the, the previous examination. So, you know, well-versed in, mm. the, in the mahi, um, and, you know, I, I hope to play um, an informed role, but I know where the real, um, uh, you know, the real strength of the work um, has, lay, has lain with those who have been in this uh, mahi for some time now. Yes, we're hoping to have a show um, once people have come back from Geneva um, with some of the IUF group to talk about their experience because, you know, it's a really amazing, unique experience for anyone to be able to go to the UN and um, just just be there. It's like, you know, going to Parliament for the first time. It's, you know, a huge experience. Yeah, it is. Um, it certainly was for me the first time I went to Parliament. And I know I was in the, in the House the night that um, the convention was adopted by the government. Right. And that was you know, such a great night. And I can only imagine what it will be like for anyone going to um, Geneva. It's a huge privilege yeah, to be able to accompany so. the, the delegation to go. Yeah. It really is. So, yeah, a full few on months or more for, <laughs> yeah. for you and the team. Well, look, Minister, thank you so much for coming in and sharing so much with us, and especially coming into the studio. Um, it's always great to have people here, and you know, would love to have you back at some point yeah, in time. Absolutely. And what song are we going to go out with today? Well, given that we've been through some tough times over the last couple of years, um, there's a fraction too much friction as my pick from <laughs> Tim Finn. I think it's just um, it's nice for us just to remember the great things in life, right? And I let's agree let's more. put all the all the silly stuff 
um, to one side. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you, Minister, for coming in. And here we go with Tim Finn. There's a fraction too much friction. 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 Take a typical man and him with a typical woman. Sit back and watch everything slide. program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.